And God, my honest prayer for today, as I mentioned before for my friends here, is that, Lord, would you give them soul rest? <laughs> the distractions that they face from, from a daily basis, the absurdness of the world, the dysfunction of the world, the confusion of the world, the depression of the world, Lord, the world's ego, our own self-centeredness, the media, it's so loud, social media is so loud. Father, quiet us today. May we find rest in just being with you, meeting with your family. Lord, I'm thankful that Ryan gets to preach today. Thank you for him. We're so fortunate to have such a wonderful pastor, such a man of character who loves his family, who is invested in this chapel. Thank you for him. And God, even though we love Ryan and we love his personality, we know that you, are the message behind him. You are communicating through the preaching of the word. So God, as we listen to Ryan, we more importantly listen to you. So ready our hearts to hear from you. Father, this prayer we recite together, may it never be done out of meaningless repetition. And Lord, as we, as we pray this prayer together, as we hear these timeless words of Jesus spoken behind us and in front of us, around us, may it refocus our, our priorities this week. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Ryan, thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Ryan, and I love being a part of the family here at the Humble Patch Community Chapel. So I'd like to begin with a confession. And my confession is that uh, I forget things a lot. I forget things a lot. So actually this morning, it was even in my sermon notes that I wrote, one of the things I'm going to mention is I always forget when I get back in the, when I get in the car on Sunday morning, I forget my phone up, up, up on the fourth floor of our apartment. And this morning, guess what happened? I got in the car, everybody's ready, and I go, I forgot something upstairs, I need to go and get it. But it's going to make a great sermon illustration, so I'll be right back. <laughs> run upstairs, run down. Last Friday, I went to the post office to mail something for Jeanette, and I went to the post office, I forgot my wallet. Because who carries cash, right? But the post office only accepts cash. Don't understand the German system, but they only accept cash. I forgot. So I'm, I get frustrated a lot because I forget a lot of things. I went to the gym, uh, you know, what was it, last week, and I forgot my slippers. And then I got to walk around the dirty, nasty men's bathroom with, without slippers. Again, suffering, self-induced misery because I forget things. And I think if you were going to be honest, that you would admit, too, that you forget things. All right, let's just get really, let's get really vulnerable here. Children, 
Raise your hand if you got yelled at this week because you forgot something. Come on, go ahead. Yes, we got some high schoolers here. We got, yes. All right, put your hands down. Parents, how many of you forgot something that you promised your kids? Right, okay, one honest parent there. Two honest parents, three, four, five. Uh, bosses, how many of you forgot something you promised your subordinates? Boom, one boss, two boss, three boss. Subordinates, how many of you forgot to do something that you were supposed to do for your boss? Okay, so if, if you can't see what I see, it's unanimous. We all forget things. So if you forget anything, I want you to know, one, you're in good company, and two, you're going to love today's message because it's about people who are forgetful, right? And just, just one thing I notice right now, do you, do you hear that, that sound? I hear the sound of, of kids rustling around, maybe a little parent doing this. We love that sound here. I want to hear babies crying in the back. I want to hear kids rustling around with their pen. You know why? Because a growing church is one with noise. A dying church is one where it's just completely quiet. And it's kind of weird. If it's, if it's too quiet, then I wonder, what, the, what, are you, what are you doing? What are the kids doing, right? They're looking at something. So we want, we want, we love the noise. All right, children? And parents, just, just don't forget. Don't forget why we're here. This is not actually church. We are the church who goes to a building. Okay? Let's not forget that. With that, if you would open your Bibles with me to Psalm 103. Psalm 103. That's our passage for today. And in Psalm 103, it's David listing five things that have happened to him. That he's saying, hey, hey soul, don't forget these things. Don't forget these things. In Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, it's where the, the children of Israel might read these five things and say, man, we forgot about those five things. That's awesome. We need to hear that. Thanks, King David. It's in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, where a child of God would, would be able to return frequently and say, man, I forgot about those five benefits. Those are five amazing things. It's in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, where anybody, I don't care what your background is in here, whether you're maybe on the fence of believing in Jesus, or maybe, maybe you might be of a different religion, it doesn't matter. Once you read Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, you're going to know what God is offering you every single day. And you might say, I'm not even a person of faith. In fact, I don't like church. I'm just here because somebody made me. Well, I would like to tell you that Psalm 103 has five benefits that are the best benefits you've ever seen. And the times that we forget these benefits are the times are our hardest times in life. All of our suffering is mostly self-induced because we're forgetting who we are in him and who he is in us and then that's when the that's when the struggle that's when the struggle happens bless the lord O my soul and forget not his benefits the word bless um, in the filipino culture if, if anybody's older than you then you go up to their you go up to them let me see I'll just, I'll just give an example. Like if, if, if Ryder, right, was, was my elder, then I would grab his hand like this, and I would say, Manapo, and I'm blessing anybody older than me. So I do this every time I walk into the Kelly uh, commissary, because there's, there's a bunch of Filipino workers there, so I grab their hands and I, and I bless them. Uh, when, you, when you bless someone, you're, you're honoring them. Like right now, I, 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 look at, I look at the Bryan family, and I go, you guys are such a blessing to me. Whenever I have, I, I sat in a car in a rainy 
uh, Saturday. We just, Eric and I sat in a car. We just talked, and, and he blessed me, and I blessed him, apparently, he told me. And that's what we do. We, we bless each other. When you bless the Lord, you respect him, and you give honor to him. So that's David's first thing is bless the Lord. But what we're going to focus today on is forget not his benefits. Okay, so let's read this together. I'm going to flash on the screen here the King James Version. It's an old, old version from the, uh, from the what do we call it, the, the, like the Shakespeare days, when you say thou and thee and, and, and thou. And, okay, let's read it together. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, and who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Another version we have here is the NASB, 1995. Uh, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits, who pardons your iniquities, who heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, and who satisfies your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Okay, we have a, a newer version, more dynamic version, the New Living Translation. Let's read this together. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am and praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. And here's the loosest translation. It's called The Message by Eugene Peterson. Oh, my soul, bless God from head to toe. I'll bless his holy name. Oh, my soul, bless God. Do not forget a single blessing. He forgives all your sins, every one. He heals your diseases, every one. He redeems you from hell. He saves your life. He crowns you with love and mercy, a paradise crown. He wraps you in goodness, eternal beauty. He renews your youth. You're always young in his presence. And this is the version I am, I'm reading this year. I try to read a new version every, every once in a while in um, Christian Standard Bible. It says this, My soul bless the Lord, all that is within me, bless his holy name. My soul bless the Lord and do not forget all his benefits. He forgives all your iniquity. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. He satisfies you with good things. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. Okay, I love reading the different versions so you see what's out there. The, the, the main thing to remember is that, that the Bible was written in three different languages. The Old Testament's Hebrew, Daniel was some parts Aramaic, and then all 27 books of the New Testament were written in Greek. And when I study the Bible, I really want to know what the Bible says. So I've done a word study, and I've broken down every single word in its original language, see how it was used, how the author used it, and then how other writers in the same time frame used it, and I see how ancient people use it in poetry and all those 
sorts of things. And then bringing it back to, okay, so what does it mean for us today? So going back to what I said earlier, the, the benefits of the Lord. Here's, here's all the benefits listed in order here. Okay? So for David, I think he's doing it from top to bottom, like what means the most to him. Like, okay, start off with forgiveness, and then healing, and then redemption, and then this crown of, of loving kindness and compassion, and then satisfaction. Okay, so we talked about when you hear the word benefits, some people think of work. And I looked up the top 20 benefits according to people, according to Forbes magazine, and here they are. The top benefits. I'll just list a few. But look at this. Caregiver leave, adoption leave, an on-site gym. This is pretty cool. Uh, performance-based initiative, family leave, unlimited paid time off, uh, eight, paid sick days, nine, holiday time off. It looks like people want to get paid for not showing up to work. It, uh, you bosses in here, listen, the, the greatest thing you can give your people is time off. Like, soldiers and sailors and Marines and Coasties, they hate mandatory fun. Like, you could say, I got, I got uh, courtside ticket, I got tickets to the, to the Super Bowl, but you got to be there, and they'll go, is it, is it mandatory? Well, I don't want to go. The greatest thing you can give is, is time off. So, you know, the, all these people, they want time off, Benefits, benefits, benefits. I looked up the top companies, according to Forbes magazine. These are the top companies to work for. Who's going to retire soon? Okay, so you might want to write this list down here. Uh, Gold's Gym. They have a gym inside at, at work. So they're, they offer the, the 11 of the top 20 benefits. IBM offers 11. L'Oreal, 6. Amazon, 6. Aetna, 6. And so on and so forth. Uh, what's missing from this list? What, what job blows all these out of the water? The military. Come on. What company will hire you fresh out of high school and then not even a month into your job, they're going to double your paycheck just because you got married to someone who has four kids, right? And now, now, hear me out. I am not telling anybody to do that. <laughs> I am not saying, oh, oh, I could double my paycheck. But it's true. If a private gets married, and it's sort of like double their paycheck. What company is going to let you live on the beach at Camp Pendleton, and then two years later live on the beach in San Diego, and then two years later live in Hawaii, and then two years later live in Rhode Island on the water, and then live in Virginia Beach by the beach, and then live, and then move to Germany. I've just listed all my duty stations. Um, the Navy and the Marine Corps. Sorry, Army and Air Force, you can end up in the middle of nowhere. So that's my pitch. Eight. Children, if you want to join the cool service, join the Navy. You get unlimited ice cream on the ship every day. Every day. Yes, it's not good. It's not good for some of us. Okay, so these, these are great benefits, right? These are great benefits. But they're all earthly. They're all earthly. You can have a million benefits and then be totally missing the mark. If you don't have these benefits, you have nothing. You have nothing. You, you can have you can, a pension, whatever. I mean, you get 30 days. And not only that, okay, let me just spend a little bit more time on this. The SecDef just announced on the 22nd how he's going to upgrade. Like, did you, did you see this list? This uh, sec, Secretary of Defense says he's going to increase, he directs that the BAH will be increased in 28 duty stations up to 20%. That's crazy. In, in housing areas where the 20% spike. So I'm, I'm thinking he's going to match that. The second one you're going to love. 
He wants the commissaries to be 25% less than the economy. That's crazy. How are you going to beat Lidl and Coughlin and, and ADECA? And, so, hey, more power to you, Sective. If you can do that, 25% less than the economy, that's amazing. He's going to increase, he, he directs that uh, basic needs allowance. So you're going to get a supplement based on your income. Um, TLE, he's going to permanently increase that from 10 to 14 days. I mean, we got, this is no secret, we got $7,000 to stay at the Marriott for 10 days. I got to keep my nights. That's just like, and the TLE is going to be extended. Uh, increase dislocation allowance from E1 to E6. They're going to upfront that money. They're going to improve military one source, uh, their, their child development programs. And then he lists like four things for spouse employee program incentives. Yes, more money coming into the house, right? So uh, these, those are all just, those are amazing benefits. But without these, we don't really have anything. You can gain the whole world and lose your soul. What are the benefits that really matter? They're these. They're these. So I'm just going to run through the five benefits that, that David talks about. Um, okay, first benefit is forgiveness. What do you think David is thinking about when he writes about forgiveness? Just anybody. Anybody throw it? What, yes. Are you reading my notes? That's exactly in my notes. I'll prove it to you right here. She said, if you didn't hear, he's probably thinking about when he killed Uriah, right, and he stole his wife, Bathsheba. That's 2 Samuel chapter 11. I will just, I'll just going to summarize the story for you, okay? In 2 Samuel 11, now you got to think, when, when David is writing his psalms, he's like writing poetry. Anybody ever wrote a song in here? How long does it take to write a song, to perfect it, to, to play it, to go back at it, and to write it again, and to write the music, and to write the lyrics, and to write the, the, the song? It takes a long time. David is not going to just sit down and write this in one sitting. He's going to be thinking about it. He's going to be reflecting on his life. And this is probably the darkest time of his life. This is crazy. In a time, uh, 2 Samuel 11.1, 1, in a time... In the spring, when kings marched out to war, David sent out Joab and his officials and all of Israel. So basically, it's a time where kings were supposed to go to war. And then, then, back then, a king, where would the king be during battle? Right up front. Right up front, like Braveheart, like Mel Gibson and Braveheart. He's right, he's right in the front, right on a horse. But he forgets his role, and he stays back. And he's on the roof of his house, and he sees a lady, ironically, and her name is Bathsheba. She's taking a bath on, that, on the roof of the house. And he says, I want to steal her. And he brings her back to the house. He has, he has his guys get her. That's called kidnapping. And he brings her into, or adult napping, whatever it would be. But, but he, he, he brings her into the house. And it's not consensual, if you know what I mean. What is that called? That's something you can get fired for. A, a president can be fired for that. A commanding officer can be fired. Anybody can be fired. I don't care what job you have. Anybody who's anybody will get fired from doing what King David does. He ends up getting her pregnant. And then he says, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'll tell you what. And he has this great scheme. I'm going to bring my number one commanding officer off of the field, Uriah, the Hittite. And I'm going to get him drunk. And I'm going to have him sleep with his wife so he can get her pregnant. So he, he thinks it's him. Right? It's a great plan. Not a great plan. But 
Uriah has so much integrity, he goes, no, no, no. If my men are in the field, I am not going to sleep with my wife. I'm not going to do that. He's a man of integrity. So he sleeps on the doorstep, and David freaks out and says, what am I going to do now? Sends him back into the battlefield, and then he tells his men, he says, okay, when you're up for the battle right in front, I want you to pull back and so that Uriah, one of the number one, I don't know, you'd call him a regimental commander or a battalion commander, whatever. He's one of his top guys. Pull back so that he dies. So this thing gets worse and worse and worse. And then Nathan the prophet in the next chapter, in chapter uh, 12, confronts David because this is what prophets do. They speak truth to power. Anybody else, if you mouth off to the king or you tell the king something he doesn't like, that, they're off with your head. But Nathan's job is to tell truth. That's sort of like my job in, in my earthly job. Speak truth to power. Who cares about what people think about you? Just, you own the truth. And so Nathan sticks his hat out on the line and says, hey, let me tell you a story, King David. Uh, there's this one guy who stole from this guy, and then he, did the, and he goes on and on, and he tells his elaborate story, and King David is furious, and he goes, that's horrible. That's, that's horrible. And then Nathan says to him in Hebrew, Atahaish, you are the man. You're the one I'm talking about in the story. And David, it, it hits him. And then later on, David responds, I have, uh, verses 13 of chapter 12, David responded to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Then Nathan replied to David, and the Lord has taken away your sin, and you will not die. He should have been killed for this. He should have received capital punishment. He should have put, been put on death row. But God forgave him. And not only that, David is called a, a man after that is way too much grace for, for some of us. You're like, no way, let him fry. When Paul gets saved, like, I don't want to be in the same church as that guy. That guy killed a lot of Christians. Let him, let him, let him die. No grace for anybody else. In a modern illustration, it would be like, I don't know, it would be like uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, like getting saved and then, and then coming to speak at our church and people are like, I don't want to listen to that guy. But God has so much grace and so much forgiveness, he forgives David for his atrocities. And that is what David is thinking about when he thinks about forgiveness. Okay, now let me, let me jump out of the Old Testament. How does Jesus talk about forgiveness? Jesus talks about forgiveness. I'll give one example in, in Matthew chapter 18. I'm just going to summarize the story. Jesus is telling a story about forgiveness. And he goes, this is Matthew chapter 18 and... Uh, 18 verses uh, 21, going on to 29. Peter approached him and said, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister? And uh, Jesus says, not as many as seven, but uh, 70 times seven, basically saying just forgiven, 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 unlimited. And he tells a story about a servant that owed his master a lot of money. He owed him 10,000 talents. Can you know what 10,000 talents is? 20 years wages. So I'll just round it way down. Like the average income in America is about $50,000. The average income from someone in this room is probably $100,000. But if $50,000 for the average income across the board in America times 20 years, okay, that's a million dollars. You double that, which is probably this room, you got $2 million. You have a lot of, you got to have a lot of debt. So this servant owes this king a million dollars, and the king goes what? He goes, okay, 
let's just cancel the debt. Like, who does that? Like, I get mad if someone owes me, like, I remember when I was a kid and I let my brother borrow, like, $5 or something, and I, I held on to that for a long time. This is a million dollars. And then he forgives the debt. He cancels the debt. It's over. Go about your way. That same guy, that same servant, goes to someone else who owed, who owed him... He owed him 100 denarii. You know how much that is? One denarii is a day's wage. So he just owed him like three months, three months pay. And he has this guy thrown in, in prison. And then someone sees that, and then they tell the king, hey, the guy that you forgave a million dollars, he just choked someone out for, for, for 100 days wage. And the king goes back to that first servant and says, you wicked servant. You wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt, and you... This guy owed you some chump change, and you didn't forgive him? And then this is one of the scariest verses in the Bible. It says, so also my heavenly Father will do to you unless every one of you forgives his brother or sister from your heart. I don't know what that fully means, but that sounds pretty, pretty scary. It makes me like, okay, forgiveness. I need, forgive, I need to impart forgiveness. I need to give forgiveness. As much as I need it for me, I need to give it to others. Okay, one more, one more passage on forgiveness. Let's go to 1 John 1, 9. I have memorized this passage because I use it every day. Maybe you've memorized it too. 1 John 1, 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Here's the mechanics of forgiveness according to John. Well, we'll do this. If you have your Bible, put your finger on forgiveness. Okay, put your finger on forgiveness if you have your Bible. Okay? What is the only action verb that precedes that word forgiveness? Go ahead, look, look it up. You can cheat. There's an open book test. What's the only verb that precedes forgiveness in this passage? Confess. Wait a minute. Okay, so, so if, if I'm doing the formula here, if I could use for lack of a better word. If I'm after forgiveness, John says that the only thing required for forgiveness is confession. That's radical. So here's what my life looks like. Every day. Lord, I, I did not extend grace to my children. Thank you for your forgiveness. Uh, Lord, I looked at something I shouldn't have looked at. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, I, I, I stole something. Thank you for your forgiveness. You see, if forgiveness is what we're after, the only verb that precedes forgiveness, the impartation of forgiveness is... Confession. So the mantra of our life should be confession, thanksgiving, and then the icing on the cake is we get to, we get to repent from those things. I'm not, I'm not preaching at all that, okay, just confess it and just keep going. Confess it and keep going. That's, that's what you'll see in my journal, you know, in, in, when I was in high school, when I was taught, hey, you just confess it and just and I go right back to the same old silly things. But forgiveness, it, forgiveness is supposed to be this thing where, where we go right into thanksgiving. Lord, I did this. And confession, the word for confession is homo logeo. It's Greek. Homo means the same. Logeo is to speak or to say. So if you say exactly what you did, God forgives and cleanses. And then you go right into thanksgiving. Thank you. And it's not begging for forgiveness. It's not pleading for forgiveness. And it's not even saying this, Lord, would you please forgive me? Because it doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't say ask for forgiveness. I will give you $100 if you can find it. And the closest thing you could, you could give me is in the Lord's Prayer, 
forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But that's not even asking for forgiveness. He's telling the Lord, forgive me of my trespasses. Okay? So we see that, and the, the scripture is the authority here. Confession precedes forgiveness. Now, um, one, one last bit on forgiveness here. Um, I wrote a little pamphlet, little book in 2020 called uh, Freedom Vision, and it was all about this tree illustration and how a tree's fruits are connected to a tree's roots. And the, the, the fruits on the tree were things you could see, taste, touch, smell. You can, they've manifested, and they're always connected to things underground that you can't see hidden in the dark. Connect this to sin. There's sinful behaviors that you and I have that everybody else can see that are connected to a dark place underground that nobody else can see, but the longer this root stays down there, the, the, the more the fruit grows and the stronger the roots get. That's the whole illustration of the tree illustration, is that, is that fruits are always connected to roots. So if you want to talk about root cause analysis, if you're behaving a certain way, always go deep down into your heart and see what's down there on a the root level. That's, that's the whole illustration. And I was looking back at this book, and I, and I said, a lot of this is Psalm 103, not knowing it uh, a couple years later. So here's what I've put together for four categories of forgiveness. Now, I think of four categories of forgiveness, just really quick here. There's, there's guilt, anger, uh, greed, and jealousy. And, and the op- so forgiveness, does anybody know how to define forgiveness? Well, forgiveness is defined as to, it's, the Greek word is afiemi, to literally let it go. Okay, and that's when we sing this song from Elsa, let it go, let it go, which is so ironic, right, because Elsa in that movie does not let it go. <laughs> it's completely opposite. She, seriously, she holds on to her bitterness, she holds on to it, and she literally turns cold. And everything around her turns cold, which is how bitterness works. So there goes that whole movie. It's, it's, it's she... She does not let it go, but that's what it means. But in the, language of, in the language of forgiveness, the opposite of forgiveness is bitterness. It's to hold on to something. It's to hold on to something. And bitterness towards yourself is guilt. So if, you, if you've done something wrong, you say, oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, man, I hate myself. I can't believe I did that. You are beating yourself up and holding resentment or bitterness towards yourself. That's called guilt. Anger is, I can't believe you did that to me. Why would you say that behind my back? Why would you take that from me? I can't believe you, so I'm going to hold bitterness towards you. How could you do that to me? On part one of Psalm series, I talked about how I've been able to come alongside some of my Marines who lost people in Afghanistan, specifically because it, it was the unit that went to the Abbey Gate Last year, last August, and we lost uh, a lot of people. 13 total, uh, ten, uh, nine, nine Marines, one sailor. It was, it was a horrific thing, and for, it was all about forgiveness at the end of the day. Like, can we hold, should we hold on to this bitterness towards people who murdered, or, or what do we do with that? How do we, how do we work through that? And it's all, it always lands on forgiveness. And we have a choice the rest of our lives to forgive or to be bitter. There's two other categories of, of bitterness, and it would be uh, greed, which is the world owes me something. You see, this is debt debtor language. So guilt is I owe me something because I did something wrong. 
Anger is you owe me something because you did me wrong. Greed is the world owes me something because they did me wrong. Or my work owes me something. And when I leave my work, I, wanna, I wanted this color little ribbon thing instead of that color. And they owe me. I did a lot for my work, so they, they, they should at least give me a letter of appreciation, something like that, right? It's like, you owe me. And jealousy is this, is this interesting category where I believe that God owes me something. Or maybe something happened in your life where you say, wait, God could have stopped that, couldn't he? Couldn't he have stopped that? So God owes me a different outcome. Or you might say to yourself, well, why was I born into this tax bracket? God owes me something else. Why was I? That's totally out of our control. I jokingly use this one, but I, I say, well, why didn't God make me six foot five? He owes me. I should have been a little bit taller. Why did, why, why did I have this color hair? Why did, and it all makes sense, right? One time we were locked out of our house, and, and my dad put me through the window, and I found my calling. I was like, that's why I, that's why I'm small. Like, I, can, I can help a lot of people. But, but, but hear me out here. Um, jealousy, it can creep in, and before you know it, you're bitter towards God. Before you know it, it happens, and you're angry at God. So to actually, just bear with me here, to forgive God means you tear up any debt you have towards God, and you go, okay, God, you don't owe me a different life. You don't owe me, you know, some, this marriage fell apart, or, or whatever. You don't owe me anything. Imagine, imagine this. If you went to yourself, and you go, you know what, self? I don't, you don't owe, I'm just going to forgive you. Imagine if you went to everybody else, and you go, you don't owe me anything. Imagine if you went to your work and you go, hey, you don't owe me anything. I'm just going to work as hard as I can. Imagine if you went to your neighbor and said, you don't owe me anything. I'm just here to love you. That's a life of forgiveness. That's a life of forgiveness. Okay. And the other benefits we'll do, we'll do really quick. Oh, this is a picture of Kylie. Um, we taught her when she was three years old. Uh, in this video, I think her brother bumped into her and I go, oh, what happened? She goes, oh, I feel sad. No, 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 she goes, she bumped into me, and I go, how does that make you feel? She goes, sad, and I go, well, what do you want to do with your sadness? And she goes, forgive him. And so <laughs> we're just trying to teach our children uh, that language of forgiveness. We need this every single day. Okay, I'm going to briefly go over the other, the other benefits. When David talks about healing, what do you think he's thinking of? Well, he had several instances where he was, where he was healed. Just really quickly look at Psalm 32. He says this, Psalm 32, verse 3, when I kept silent, now he's, ta- he's probably thinking about the Bathsheba thing, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity, and I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. When sin is not confessed, it actually breaks down our health. And this passage could mean physical healing and spiritual healing. I think it's both. I think when we confess our sins, we, ex- we experience a type of healing that is radical for our bodies and for our mind, for our soul, for our spirits. It's all-encompassing. And I wanted to show really quick here five ways that you can be hurt. I think these are the five wounds of humanity which everybody in here, you have one of these wounds or all five or somewhere in between. I call it fads. Fear, anger, deceit, shame, and sadness. And you don't have to be alive long to get one of these wounds. And in the tree illustration, I think if it's something just coming on and just hacking the tree, you'll probably get your first wound early on in life. 
maybe elementary school, maybe, maybe sooner than that, maybe before you were born. Talk to many people who, who, who grew up without parents, who grew up with abusive parents, who, who grew up with an abusive caregiver, who there's, there's a lot of wounds that can happen because life is pretty messy, which means God's grace shines all the more. The, the, the darker life gets, the, God's grace is so much more sweet. And I've met too many people who let me all the way in to know that there could be someone else who's not like the rest of us. We're all in need of grace. We all have wounds, and we all need healing. And maybe David's thinking about these things. But fear, anger, deceit, shame, and sadness, and the way to healing on all these things is to find healing in Jesus' name. If, if, and I also say this, you cannot heal what you don't feel. So sometimes it's getting in front of someone who's loving and who has good ears and who would hear everything about you and still love you anyways. Does anybody have a friend like that? Those are the best friends. If you don't have any friends like that, I recommend, I know I'm biased, but I recommend sitting down with, with uh, a chaplain because they are bound by confidentiality so their ears are graves where you can bury the deepest, darkest problems and begin healing. Just test it, try it. And my response to the deepest, darkest things has always been this, for, for the past few years has been this. Thank you for trusting me. Do you feel judged? No, because I don't have any judgment for you. Thank you. How does it feel to finally be free? And if they're crying, I go, how old are those tears? How long have they been trapped up inside? Thank you for sharing those. Those are, thank you. Now let the healing begin. And it's just Jesus being a conduit in and through people by good listening. That's how healing happens. The other benefit uh, that David lists is you've redeemed me from the pit. Now, this, this could be like a year-long series just, just on this one alone, but this, I, I, I think there's seven things that pit mindsets, I call them, that lead to pit behaviors. Uh, there's deception, uh, re- the, the root of rebellion, the love of money, which the scripture reading today and that translation that you read from, you said it was uh, the root of all kinds of evil. But if you look at the original Greek uh, construction, it's the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. There's a lot of people who have died because of the love of money. There's a lot of people who have got sick, who didn't need to be sick, because of the love of money. Uh, all the atrocities, somehow, some way, shape, or form, is linked to the love of money. I'll just leave at that. These next four are, are the worship of, of control, power, uh, approval, comfort. These are idols. It's just things that, that I would make matter more that, that don't matter most. Okay? So when David's talking about redemption, maybe it's from these type of mindsets. Lastly, he talks about uh, a benefit of the Lord is being crowned with loving kindness and compassion. Who wears crowns? Anybody know who wears crowns? Who wears a crown? The queen or the king. God has crowned us with love and, and uh, compassion. Giving you the authority to love anybody. Giving you the compassion to love anybody. And we are just supposed to be conduits of God's love and compassion anyways. So if you, if you find someone hard to love, I think one of the greatest confessions is, Lord, I can't love that person. But you can. So now would you love them through me? And I'll, yes, Lord, I'll let you use my mouth. And, okay, I'll let you use my wallet. Okay, I will let you use my attitude as well. 
but you've been crowned, we've been crowned with love and kindness. The last one is satisfying in, in good things, which is truth. And there's a lot of trash out there. There's a lot of trash out there. You look at any, you look at any, you look at any psychological study, social media is just tied to depression and suicide and bad things. Bad things. Can it be used for good? Yes. But, we're, but satisfaction in God, God satisfies us with his good things. So as we reflect on the five benefits of the Lord, just imagine with me in your mind's eye what this church, what this place would look like if we became conduits of forgiveness, healing, redemption, love, compassion, and God's satisfaction. Just imagine. And we want to create a place here where we can walk in and do this together. We so desperately want to do this together. The opposite of together is isolation. And isolation is not how we do the worst things. No, isolation is not the worst thing we do, but it's how we do the worst things. So this is one big call. Let's, let's do life together. Let me, let me pray for us, and then we'll move on to the uh, benediction, our hymn and the benediction. Father, thank you for your benefits. They are so easy to forget. Thank you for your forgiveness. I have forgotten your benefits. Thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, we thank you that we can reflect on forgiveness, healing, redemption, love and compassion, satisfaction in you every day. Lord, we, we choose to do this.